Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. If you guys have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to continue off of this principle, off of this idea that uh, Jacob has shared with Rhodey because the, the most important thing that we need to remember as we walk in Christ, as we live out our lives, is we need to remember who we are in Christ in order to walk boldly in that. Uh, many times the world presents to us an idea of image. The world says you need to understand who you are. You need to look at within yourself. You need to find out who you really are in your character and in your nature. And I would caution you against any such foolishness. Uh, I would caution you against that because what you will find inside of your heart, and I know this sounds really challenging and it, it sounds like a punch in the nose right off the bat, but what you will find in your heart apart from Christ is wickedness and brokenness and deceit you, you won't find who you are. It's, uh, it's the same thing that happens in, uh, how many of you know what a personality profile is? A personality, kind of like a test, like Myers-Briggs or something like this. One of the real challenges with those things is that when you diagnose yourself, what you're doing oftentimes is you're looking for the person you want to be, not the person that you are. And sadly, when we look to our own identity, we do the same thing. We look and try to find out who we want to be, not who we actually are. What the Bible does, what the scripture does, is it puts a mirror right in front of us and says, sorry, I don't care who you want to be, this is actually who you are. This is the brokenness of who you are. This is what you would be if left to your own devices. And it gives us the gospel message which points to Jesus, which says he can make us into the person that we should all really, really want to be. Amen? So Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12, seven verses, but it's going to teach us a lot about our identity. And I think these pieces of identity are going to be challenging to some because your experience is going to say, I'm not sure that that's the case. I'm not sure that... This this is exactly right. But I can tell you this, God's word is true and man is lying. <laughs> God's word is true. Our hearts are deceptive. So what we need to do, no matter what our tradition is, no matter what our background is, we need to submit to the word of God and we need to look at what it says about who we are. And then what we do from that point on is we walk by faith. Amen? We walk by faith. The scripture tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. Scripture also says that anything not done from faith is sin. And so what we need to do when it comes to our identity, when it comes to who Jesus says we are, once we're redeemed, we need to believe it and we need to walk in it. So here's what Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through uh, 12 say right off the bat. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You just heard uh, Jacob teach Rhodey that. Paul goes on and says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Now, there are other translations that, that provide for a, a, an easier level of readability when it comes to certain verses. For example, the NIV is what is called a thought-for-thought -thought translation. It's not my favorite translation by any stretch of the imagination, but there are times when it kind of grabs the thought a little bit better than 
than all the literal words of the NASB or the ESV. Uh, In essence, this verse teaches us that because we are being rooted in Christ or being built up, we should overflow with gratitude. And so we'll see that as we go through it the rest of the way. Verse 8 goes on and says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. And just a quick note here, uh, this is a letter written to Christians. And there is a warning given to Christians not to be uh, held captive or led astray by deceptive philosophy. Don't think for a second that just because you know Jesus that you can't be duped. Amen? Amen. Don't, Don't think that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So the answer is stay in Christ Jesus keep having faith in him and him alone, and you have no issue whatsoever, okay? You have no issue. But it's really important to understand that there are going to be tons of deceptive philosophies and ideas that come our way, and they do all the time, just like Rhodey. Uh, boys and girls, just like Rhodey. It's, it's not a hat that gets you closer to God. It's not your height, and it's not a beard, okay? I, I mean, Tough luck women then, right? Okay, so, but the idea is that's not what this, that's not actually what this is. So, so we've got to be careful of these deceptive philosophies. Here's what he goes on to say in 9 through 11. For in him, and I want you to keep noticing how many times Paul says in him. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And finally, verse 12, here's what he says. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. What we're about to do is we're about to walk through those verses step by step, okay? And we're going to highlight pieces as we go through, and I want you to do the same in your Bible. But I want you to notice, number one, your identity in Christ. Number two, that it is communicated by all of these past tense pieces, all of this language that's written in past tense, which means it's already done, And you need to believe what the Word of God says instead of believing what maybe your tradition has taught you or maybe what your mama taught you or any of those things. You need to trust in the Word of God. So uh, starting at verse 6, we're going to highlight this. I want to encourage you to highlight your Bibles too. He starts off and he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. If you are a Colossian, you're not, but if you are a Christian, you are, then this is true of you. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here is a fact about who you are. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, you have received him. He is in your life, he is is teaching you, he is guiding you, he is renewing you and restoring you. This is a past tense idea. It doesn't say one day you will receive Christ. It says you have received Christ. So he goes on in the second part of this verse, he says, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. Now you have to connect the whole line together to understand what you've been rooted in. 
You've not been rooted in all knowledge and all wisdom. You don't have everything all together. How many of you will say amen to that? You don't have all knowledge. You don't have all wisdom. You don't have it all together yet. You have access to all, but you, you don't have all. And Paul communicates that as we continue on. But here's what he says. He says, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. You are rooted in the faith, church. You are rooted in the faith. I find it beautiful that what the scripture communicates, the gospel that the scripture communicates, is a gospel that a five-year-old can understand, and a five-year-old can surrender to, and at the same time, it is a gospel that none of us will plumb the depths of all our lives. It is, it is shallow enough, this is an amazing imagery, it's shallow enough for a baby to, to play in, and it is deep enough for all of us to drown in. It's an amazing idea that that's how this paradox works in the gospel. And so we have been firmly rooted in that faith. A five-year-old, a six-year-old can understand this basic idea that all, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They can understand that we have fallen short of what God intended for each and every one of us. The, a five-year-old, a six-year-old can also understand that the wages of sin, the consequences, the punishment, it's not time out. The wages of sin are death. That's a pretty staggering thing. And even a child can understand that. But a child can also understand, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this is why at the age of eight, I heard that gospel and it changed my heart. This is why at the age of five and six, you hear of people that have turned and they have given their life to Jesus. Now, we live out an entire existence of repentance after that, do we not? My goodness. Church, do not think, first thing that you learned this morning, just because you're in Christ Jesus doesn't mean you have all wisdom and knowledge yet. You haven't learned everything you need to learn yet. And number two, just because you're in Christ Jesus doesn't mean that you don't still make mistakes. You make them constantly. But God has offered a provision for all of us. And that provision is if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. Not some, all unrighteousness. Powerful truth. So the first past tense idea is that we have received Christ. The second past tense idea is you have been firmly rooted in the faith. So Paul goes on. He says, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Now connect this. He is talking about their instruction in the faith. Otherwise, he's just contradicted himself in the same verse. Do you see it? You, are, you were instructed in the faith. However, you are now being built up in him. I thought if I was instructed, I have it all. You were instructed in the gospel, in the faith, in putting your trust in Jesus. But you are being built up constantly in your life as a way of maturity. Amen? How many of you know that this is true of you? How many wives know this is true of your husband sitting next to you? Yes, raise your hands high so they get it. But the idea is we have received Christ, we have been firmly rooted, and we were instructed in the faith. But it doesn't mean we, we are built up fully yet. We are growing and we are maturing. We are progressing in this. And the result, which we're going to come back to in a little bit, the result is that we would overflow with gratitude. 
How many of you know if that's your identity, if those things are true of you, and it is by grace through faith, not by something you have done, but it is by grace, grace through faith, this should provoke us to worship Jesus. This should, pro, this should move us to raising our hands and falling on our faces and shouting from the rooftops who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. So Paul goes on. Here's what he says in verse 8. For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you, love this challenging line here, whether or not you'll believe it, in him you have been made complete. That word complete is not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. That word complete actually literally translates filled. And what Paul is doing in the uh, million and one opportunities in the scripture that he takes, million and one opportunities to show the Christian that when they have given their life to Jesus, they are filled with something. The Bible tells us what that something is. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Romans tells us that if we don't have the Spirit of God, we're not children of God. The, the Scripture tells us that the Spirit that has been given to us, the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, is a deposit of our future inheritance. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's no guarantee of your inheritance. You see the problem. So when you accept Jesus, you are given, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is a really important note that you probably need to expand your thinking on. Just because you were filled with the Holy Spirit when you came to know Jesus does not mean that you are fully equipped in every way, maybe concerning spiritual gifts or ministry opportunities. What do I mean by that? The same Paul who said you have been filled also tells us that we are to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Did you know that? What a powerful idea. So here's, here's what happens in the course of uh, the, the book of Acts or in the New Testament. People come to know Jesus and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then God calls them or commissions them to service, to works of service. And for that, our God is so good because he empowers us for those works. He empowers us. He gives us gifts of wisdom. He gives us uh, gifts of healing and gifts of all of these pieces for the church. I mean, the list is too long for me to go through, but, but you get the point of all of this. So what Paul says here is you have been filled. You have been made complete, as this translation would say. That's a pretty awesome piece of our identity, okay? But Rhodey doesn't need a hat. He's been filled with the Spirit of God. The hat ain't getting him anywhere closer to God right? Jacob's glasses, even though he looks like Clark Kent, they don't get him anywhere closer to Jesus, right? My beard doesn't get me anywhere closer to Jesus and neither does my height. So it's really important. But what is true of you is you have been filled with the Spirit of God. So Paul goes on and he says, and he, Jesus, is the head over all rule and authority. Take a step to think about this for a second. When did Paul write to the Colossians? He wrote after Jesus rose from the dead. He wrote, after the resurrection, and what did he tell us? The same thing that Jesus told us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who's in control right now, church? Jesus is in control. There's nobody else that's in control. There's nobody else in control. That prince and, pal uh, prince and power or principality of the air, that, that piece, we find that in the Gospels. This truth, what is it? Jesus rose, Jesus wins, Jesus is in charge. 
That is an important truth for us to remember. For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made full or complete. uh, And he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Okay, I'm not going to go PG-13. So don't worry about this, right? But Paul tells us uh, a common idea of circumcision, a sign of a covenant that God makes. Paul gives us the definition of this. This is not a physical thing. This is, however, a continuation of that eternal covenant that God makes. He said that circumcision would be a sign forever. It still is, but we have to understand what happens. He defines it right now. Look. He says, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Look at the next part of that verse. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Do you you know what that says? It says your flesh was removed. It says your flesh is gone. No, 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 Nathan. My tradition, my background, my history, my experience, it tells me that my flesh is right there and it's picking on me every day. Didn't Paul say, didn't Paul say, the things I want to do I can't do and the things I don't want to do I keep on doing? You read your Bible wrong. Again. You read it wrong. You read it wrong. Paul is talking about the old man and the new man. And the most important thing that you need to catch from this is that Jesus said, Paul says, inspired scripture says, you were circumcised and your flesh was cut off. It's a big deal. That's a big deal because what happens with our experiences? We say, nope, that's just my flesh. It's just my flesh taking over. No, let me put responsibility right back in your lap. (laughs) What that is is your disobedience. Kids, can I have a raise, a show of hands to to see how many of you, they don't even want the question, I love it. How many of you know what disobedience means? How many of you get timeouts? How many of you get your butt whooped? Girls, put your hands up. (laughs) This is not, right? We get timeouts, we get our butts whooped. Well, God corrects us too. God corrects us too. I love it. God corrects us too. The responsibility needs to be firmly where it needs to be, and that is in our disobedience. Just because our flesh is gone does not mean we cannot continue to sin. Let me give you a couple of points here. Number one, your experience proves that you continue to sin. And God said, if you sin, confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. But let's think about the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve sitting in front of a tree. Did they have a sinful flesh? No, they didn't. What they faced was temptation and they gave in to temptation. You are made new. Absolutely fact. You are made new. And yet temptation comes. And temptation is hard because the devil is crafty. The devil continues to get you to pull away from that place of faith because he wants you to not trust God and not trust what God says. And so sadly, we all claim to obey and trust the word of God. And then the word of God tells us our flesh is gone. And we walk around and say, the problem is my flesh, my flesh, my flesh, my flesh. Your problem is you're disobedient. (laughs) Your problem is you said no to God. That's what happened because you have that ability. 
Okay, so look at this. It's really powerful. He says, the flesh, removal of the body, it's been removed from, from your body by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. Okay, I'm going to show you the past tense connections so you can't wiggle out of it. Because I know some of you are like, that's not. what." I still want to blame my flesh for a lot of things. Okay, having been buried with him in baptism. Was Jesus buried? I don't think, I don't think you are listening. Was he buried? Okay, come on, come on. Be confident in this. Was he buried? Yes, he was buried. So therefore, what happened to you? You were buried with him. You were buried with him. But I'm going to make a really important point about baptism in just a second. You were buried with him in baptism. It doesn't say you were buried with him in a spiritual weird sense. Or in just some mental ascension in your mind. Okay? He says you were buried with him in baptism. Were buried. That's past tense. Now look at what he goes on to say next. He says, which you were, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Are you raised? Yes. Nathan, I don't feel too resurrected right now. (laughs) I don't feel like I've got a glorified body. You don't have a glorified body yet. Take my word for it. I won't go into detail, okay? We don't have glorified bodies yet. But what is true of us is we were once dead and now we've been made alive. We are alive, church. Stop walking around like you're still dead. Stop walking around like that flesh is still holding on. You can, in your life, you can follow after Jesus. And so he speaks all this stuff in the past tense. You were buried with him in baptism, and you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Now, all of this comes by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But we've learned this in the past. Faith is trusting in hope, right? Scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped hoped for. My illustration in the past is that the chair serves as hope, okay? The, The chair is the gospel. Faith is what, church? Trust, and that is all. Faith is trust, and that is all. And so what do we do? We trust the chair. That's it. It's just this simple, okay? This is why a a five-year-old and a 50-year-old can do this, okay? We are simply trusting in the chair. So we hear the gospel, and we say yes. We say, I'm, I'm with you, Lord. I can't save myself. It's up to you. I can't do it. I trust you, okay? So all of this is done by faith. You were buried in faith. Okay? Well, Nathan, I wasn't literally buried. I know that. But you were buried. What got put in the ground? Your flesh, the old man, death. That got put in the ground. What was raised? I'm not glorified yet. What was raised? Life, the new man, joy, peace, patience. These things are what are raised inside of your life. Now, he does say that they were buried in baptism. And I just want to take a second to to share with you our view, a little bit of our view on baptism. As a church, we do not believe that the act of baptism saves you. Okay, We do not believe that dunking somebody in water and bringing them up is what saves them. Otherwise, we have a work issue. Do we not? We have, a, we have a ritual issue that says this is what has to happen in order for this to be salvation. However, listen to me clearly, we also don't believe baptism is just something you can wing. 
Just throw it out there and do whatever you want to do with it. You see, there's never a caveat in the New Testament that says, hey, be baptized, but if there's no water or anything like that, don't worry, it's a spiritual thing. The Bible doesn't give such disclaimers. The Bible says, Jesus says, go into all the world and baptize them. And just so you know, it was done with water because we see it throughout the book of Acts that their obedience to him was to dunk people in water. Okay. Okay. So baptism is a very real and serious thing, but I want you to put it in its right perspective. It is the same idea, not the same thing, but the same idea as circumcision in the Old Testament. Why did Abraham get circumcised after God already made a promise? Because Abraham was saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Put me in, coach. What we're doing is the same thing. Dunk me. Let it die. I want to be evidence. I want people to know I'm a part of this covenant community. Do you see what happens here? Okay. So baptism is a, an interesting thing, and man, oh man, it, it has created lots of fights in the church, lots of tension in the church. If you want to talk about baptism, if you'd like to share your heart on that, I am all ears. I mean, mostly earlobe, but I am all ears. I want to hear your heart on these things because it's really important as we move forward as a church. So he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were, past tense, also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. He goes on. Look what he says. Who raised him from the dead? Let's make sure we connect the past tense. Did Jesus get raised from the dead? Okay, you can't believe that that past tense is true, but the previous past tenses are whatever you want to make them. Jesus was raised, which means your flesh was removed. Jesus was raised, which means you were buried. Jesus was raised, which means you were raised, if you are a follower. Of Jesus Christ. Your identity in Jesus will cause you to stand firm in all the situations when philosophy and ideas come, uh, come penetrating your mind and trying to, to, to pull you off of the road of Jesus. When that all comes, you say, no, I've been buried. No, I've been raised. No, I'm alive. No, my, my old man is gone. Do I make mistakes? You better be a, a, an honest Christian. <laughs> you better be one who confesses because you have a body of believers that are going to hold you accountable to that. But these are truths. This is why I believe Paul goes on to say, you can put up this verse in, uh, I think it's verse 8, yeah. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. It's no wonder he's warning them because he says, if you get your identity right, that's not a problem. If you get your identity right, not according to your feelings, because whatever, right? But according to Jesus, this is important. So here's what's true of you, and this is how we're going to wrap it up today. Here's what's true of the Christian. What is true of Christians? Number one, we have received Christ, amen? amen. We have received Christ. He is within us. He is loving us. He is caring for us. He has given us an advocate. He is an advocate, and he has given us an advocate, a helper. Number two, we are firmly rooted in the faith. We know enough of the faith. We know enough of the gospel, enough of the truth of God's word to say, I trust you, Lord. While you're sitting in this chair, it is vital that you keep growing. 
It is vital that you keep growing because as you're being built up, you'll be able to resist those faulty philosophies all the more. Amen? So be rooted in that chair. Number two, we are firmly rooted. Number three, we were instructed in the faith. I love the scripture. The scripture tells us that we have a faith that was once delivered to all the saints. There are so many people that are trying to be really novel and creative and trying to reword the gospel. We don't need your help. Okay? The gospel is 2,000 plus years old. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that Abraham heard the gospel. The gospel is as old as time, and we don't need another version of it. What we need to do is trust the word. Trust what God has said. We were instructed in the faith. The next one, number four. We've been made complete. We have been filled with the Spirit of God. Don't let anyone deceive you. You have the Spirit of God. When you said yes to Jesus, you have the Spirit of God. You have a deposit. You belong to Jesus Christ. Absolutely amazing. The next one, number five. We were circumcised. The flesh was removed. This is the hard one for people to get. I want you to say it with me, church. We were circumcised. The flesh was removed. Can we say it one more time? We were circumcised. The flesh was removed. You don't like my interpretation? Take it up with Paul. It's all good by me. The next one is this. We've been buried and raised with Jesus. We've been, no, 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 you're not getting it yet. Three of you got it. We have been buried and we have been raised with Jesus. Here's what's amazing about these pieces. When we walk through this and when we understand our identity, here's what happens. We turn into a worshiping people. We turn into a rejoicing people. And as we get built up more and more and more and more, we begin to praise God all the more. Amen? We should be marked by prayer, but we should also be marked by praise according to Paul in Colossians 2. Your identity is firm. So when philosophy comes your way, when ideas come your way that want to lead you away from Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, when they want to pull you away and add to your, add to your faith, you just look at it and say, no, I am in Christ Jesus. I have been filled with the Spirit of God. I have been buried. I have been raised. My flesh is gone, and it is, I am empowered to obey. Amen? That's what's true of all of us. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.